I get something, I just give it to you. Usually when he gets on me, like Brother Copeland says, I just get on, you know, he gets on me, I get on you. That's just the way it works. But we're not here to get on anyone today. Praise the Lord. Here's the deal. From here till maybe forever, the end of this year, I don't know any other way to say it than what I heard it. It'll, it will end this year, we'll start a beginning, and we'll continue on, but we'll definitely end this year in the fire of God. The fire of God. Now, fires, it can be looked at in different ways. I mean, you, you know, the scripture says that the Lord is a consuming fire. And we might think, well, that's terrible. He's going to consume us. No, uh, you, you, you have to be in the right covenant. But there's things in our life that need to be consumed. We have things in our life that's not necessarily sin, but they're weights. But the Bible says, but, you know, let the weights and the sin that says, thus will easily beset you. In other words, get rid of that because you've got a race to run. That scripture in Hebrews 12 that I'm just quoting, and the Amplified, it says, look away from everything that will distract you. Anyone ever had, I never know if I taught on this before, but Y'all know what distractions are? I never know if I've ever covered any of that. How many of you might know someone who knows someone who about, who's had distractions? Things that came into your life that you didn't ask for or plan. That's kind of the summary of what I'm going to come out distractions. And um, they're, they're not welcome. Praise the Lord. Now, right, right now, before we begin, I don't know, are we on air? Good. Praise the Lord. For those who are watching and those who's joined another time, those who listen to another format, before we, get, before we start this morning, I want to talk to you about this, um, that the Bible says that, that Jesus became a curse for us, that we wouldn't have to become a curse, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through faith, not through works or not through the law. Abraham was blessed not because he did, because he, the Bible said that he had a preview of the gospel. Uh, Galatians said, and he heard it. He saw what it would, he saw the, the Messiah coming. He saw aspects of that. See, God himself preached the gospel to Abraham. God himself preached the gospel to Abraham. He, he, he didn't send him another prophet. God preached, the, he, he gave him, a, the, in other words, the, the gospel, Jesus hadn't come, and God told him about Jesus and said, boy, that's why I need to keep, keep, keep your mind straight. Because it's through your lineage that he'll come that he preached the gospel and he had to listen to it. And he says, wow. And all the Bible says, he says, well, I, I, I'll believe that then. And the scripture says, well, then God's telling him, he says, count that for his righteousness. And he says, out of you, he says, the sand of the seashore can never count your descendants. And all the nations will, will come through you. Talking to two people who are barren who have children at, at 90 and 100 years old. I mean, what, what do you give someone who's 90 and 100 years old? What kind of baby shower do you give them? I mean, do you, do you give him a cigar to smoke I mean, or marijuana or what? I mean, he's, he's 100 years old, <laughs> you, you know? I mean, he, these people have been through a few things, right? You know, people laughed at them. They changed their names because people understood names. They knew what Abram meant, and they knew what Abraham meant. So now from when Abraham said, this is what you need to start calling me, they said, well, that means father of many nations. Y'all only have one kid. And, and to them, that was ridiculous. That was funny. It, it was funny. And she went from Sarai to Sarah, you know, the mother of nations, the mother of princes. So they started calling each other. that. So, so whenever God wants to make a change in your life, sometimes he'll change your name. 
I mean, I'm, I, I moved to church seven miles. He said, change the name. I says, first, I mean, and I'm not going to another city. I, I, well, I am, but I'm in the same county. Seven miles, he said, change your name. David Ellis uh, ministered to me, not about the name of the church, but he just said before the transition from moving, uh, it was uh, 2008, I think it was. What? Yeah, it was during recession. And then, uh, and we came to church that night. And David Elster, which is the, he's pastored many places. His his David Elster's family runs deep in ministers of Pentecost in the state of Alabama, in Montgomery, fathers and grandfathers and great grandfathers. And so it's, it's just it's kind of ironic that David is the music minister for Kenneth Copeland Ministry. He plays the piano as the music minister, but David's father was the was the organ player for Or Roberts, which is Kenneth Copeland's spiritual father. Wow. Isn't that funny? Dad, in other words, David said, Dad was Or Roberts' music minister, and I'm Brother Copeland's and the father and, and the spiritual father. And uh, so we was in a service one time, and, and uh, he was preaching, and David walked up to us in, the, in this church, and he just said, are y'all pastors? And I, <laughs> he's preaching. I said, uh. And then he said, well, praise God. He didn't know why he stopped, and I didn't know why he stopped, so he went back and started preaching again. They walked back over. He says, uh, you're in a place of making decisions, and you have to make a decision quick. And then uh, it was 2008, and then um, he said, then he came back over and said something to the effect. He said, he says, why, why eight, Lord? Why, well, what's eight mean? And they said, oh, that's what it is. He said, this is, the new, this is a time of new beginnings for you. It's a change. Well, turns out that we, out of that, that service, that we went and did what was in our heart and soul, didn't even necessarily know why. Didn't seem to make any sense uh, to me uh, other than I had knowledge to do it and I had wisdom to do it, but I didn't really want to do that. Does that make any sense to you? I, I didn't have to do that. There was a recession going on, but I wasn't going to remove because of recession. And uh, but I, I went on the premise that God knows more than I do, which I thought was pretty smart on my part. And, uh, and so and it turns out even from 2008 to 2022, that's still true, by the way. You want to make your notes that God's still smarter than all of us. And uh, and, and I thought, well, why would I go to Jemison? I thought I was being demoted. You're going to send me to the small side of the town. I mean, I'm already with, you know, a small town, and now you're going to send me, you know, down to the, uh, the smallest town. And then I started, well, this is my message. Ellie texted me because I always text him on Sunday mornings and say, this is the title. And I'm always sometimes like, I don't even know what title is. I mean, it could be 40,000 different things. And so this morning he says, title, I says, I don't know. I says, if you figure it out while I'm preaching, you do it. <laughs> but during that last that last song before the offering, I, I, I don't know if you got a text. I says, "There it is. It's that song. Every praise, every praise." Because my 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 message is not is about complaining. And um, uh, it was like all week long. I says, "What what what is it that's going on here? I mean, that, that I can't nail down Sunday." And I've learned I've learned over the years, but I've tried to force it. I mean, I could do anything. And it, it did be scriptural because I'm not going to give you a thing that's not the word. But I, I just like to uh, be on the cutting edge of what he's saying. 
because I think there's so much value in you that, that I wouldn't just give you what I could. And so um, sometimes it's like wrestling an alligator for me. It's like, it's not that, you know, it's not that you have to hear every time. I mean, if you know there's a need, you, then you need to minister that to the people in your church. So we're not waiting to be led on every message, but I, I just sensed, you know, I'd go there and say, well, yeah, that, that, that looks pretty good. And I'm like, nah, that ain't it. Then I, Matt, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so it's like, you look like, yeah, but God, that ain't it. It's just like there's no utterance on the inside. Then, then, and those of you who've ever ministered, when you get that, you're like, yeah, I mean, boy, that, that, that really talks. That really agrees. Well, um, he said, you preached a message, he said, over a year ago on the subject. He said, I want to use some of that. I was like, I did. And uh, it was on a Wednesday night. It took me a, it took me a long time to find it. I, you know, I should have asked him, what, you know, which book to look in. And... Um, and, and this came on a Wednesday night, and I got it like two hours before the service, which I was thankful to get it before because sometimes I get it during. And uh, back then we called it uh, zip it, just j just zip it. I mean, just just zip it. And it, and it was about complaining. So we're going to go with a little bit of that this morning. If you want to turn in your Bible, you can go to Numbers chapter eleven. We'll get there in just a little bit. But not, not right now. And um, that Wednesday night that we talked about Zip It, uh, we talked about the little rhyme that, that we grew up with that says, uh, growing up as kids, it says, sticks and stones, what? Y'all say it with me. May break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Anyone believe that now? The words never hurt you? <laughs> so there's, there's plenty of scripture to the contrary, isn't it? And so it, it, it says that we, we know that words have power to heal, but they also have power to hurt. You can hurt some very easily with words. Uh, it says that, that we speak on average of 16,000 words each day. Not all of you do. And some of you might exceed that. But on the average, said Americans speak 16,000 words a day. And in a lifetime, approximately 525,600,000 words. That's a lot of words. Uh, that's a lot of opportunity to say some wrong stuff. That's a lot, a lot of opportunity to gossip. You say, well, we don't gossip. Okay, we um, sharing prayer requests is what some people do, and it's really gossip. That's a big opportunity to lie. Some people to curse, criticize, complain. And how many of Proverbs 18, 21 says, life and death is in the power of your tongue? You say, well, I just let my minister do my talking for me. Well, I pray and talk about you and pray for you. But I, he said, death of life is in the power of your tongue. So your words, your mouth will bring life to you or it will bring death to you, just the way it works. You, you know, you, it's like, um, I think Brother Copeland said this years ago. He said, you may not like it, whether you like it or not. He says, you can't choose whether or not you're going to live by words because God said you was. He said, but you can choose the words that you're going to live by. It's, it's not your choice whether you're going to live by words. Just not. 
you couldn't get saved without word. You, you, you wasn't married without words. If someone was divorced, they wouldn't divorce without words. Um, you know, I used the illustration about marriage the other day. I mean, I, I've never married anyone who didn't, who didn't say their vows. When I said, do you and do you, that, I'm, I, I waited on their response. I had to wait on their response. And then, I, and then when I said, now take your hand and say this, I'd say a few words and they're supposed to repeat it. And if they just sit there and said, well, I'm, ne I'm never going to sign the marriage certificate, ever. Because it takes words to make a covenant and it takes words to break one. So that's just how powerful words are. Um, so we know death and life is in the power of a tongue. Uh, the word complaining, if you look it up in the definition, it means to express dissatisfaction. Pain, resentment, grief, to find fault, annoyance about something or someone. And what was interesting about me for like this is like, I'm like, why are you talking to me so much yesterday? And why when I woke up this morning at 6.12, are you talking to me about the fire of God? But you've given me this message to preach. He said, I'm warning you about what Israel did. Well, I said, oh. And so, um, <laughs> once again, complaining. Did, did Israel ever complain? Ever? A couple of times, didn't it? Remember, it means to express dissatisfaction, pain, resentment, grief, to find fault or annoyance about something or someone. Now, I don't care who we are, what your denomination is, what your personality is. Everyone in here at some time has complained. I'm not saying everyone's gossip, but it could have happened. I'm not saying that you've ever told a lie, but it might have happened one time. When your mom and dad said, hey, did you, did you go do this or was you with them boys? No, ma'am. You got your fingers crossed behind your back or whatever. I remember one mother telling me years ago, she says, I know every time he's lying because she says, he thinks crossing his fingers behind his back, you know, is like a protective. She said, I don't know why my kid does it. She said, but every time he crosses his fingers, he crosses his eyes. She says, so, <laughs> he said, did you do that at school with your buddies? And he said, no, ma'am. <laughs> she said, come, like my mother, come, come on, baby. Come on. I, like, I hated them words, come on, baby. <laughs> come on, baby. <laughs> like, whoo. And I was already negotiating all the way, all the way to her. So we don't want to be complainers, do we? Every praise, right? <clears throat> so here's this little story about a, uh, it says a man who wanted to become a monk. So he went to the monastery and talked to the head monk. And the head monk said, you must take a vow of silence. You can only say two words every three years. The man agreed, and after the first three years, the head monk came to him and said, what are your two words? That's after three years. He said, food, bad. The man, uh, that's what the man said. That was these two words after three years. Three more, three more years went by. The head monk came to him and said, what are your two words? He said, bad, hard. Three more years went by, and the head monk come to him, and he said, what are your two words? He said, I quit. And the head monk replied, I'm not surprised. You've done nothing but complain ever since you've been here. 
<laughs> Nine years, spoke six words. You've done nothing but complain about everything since you've been here. <laughs> well, that's a little bit, you know, the standard's a little bit rush, uh, harder right there. So I pray the Lord give us a little more levity in all that. So, but in the Old Testament, we read about God miraculously taking the children of Israel out of Egypt. I don't know, someone says two to three million people. That's a lot of people. I mean, they were happy when they were leaving. Man, they were leaving bondage. 400 years, generation after generation after generation of slaves, God's own people. And God sent a deliverer. They didn't much like him. You know, leaders aren't always liked, they're just needed, they're just necessary. Not everyone likes Smith Wigglesworth. I've heard people say, man, they'll read his books and hear about the stories, you know, about all the miracles that the Smith workers had in his ministry. And they said, man, I wish I had, a, I, I would have had his life. Well, if it would have been his life, then that's like saying, you ever, sometimes we say this, but it's not really true. We'll say, if I was you, I would do this. But if you was them, you wouldn't do that. You'd do what they're doing. If you were them, right? What you're, I think what you're saying, if that was my choice, in your situation, that's, this is what I do. But see, really, you're not in their situation. You're not in their shoes. You're, you're not living their life. So you really don't know. It could be that might be true, but you really don't know because you're not in their situation. So we don't, we don't need to be fault finders. Huh? If anything, you know, I think it's Colossians chapter 2 somewhere in there in New, New Living says, you know, we, we, we need to make allowance for each other's faults. Give of space. And sometimes some people need more space. And sometimes they need more space more often. <laughs> Amen? Amen? Well, in other words, we, we, we don't want to be judgmental or quick to judge. We're not called to judge. It's okay to, to be fruit inspector, you know, inspector. People say, well, you, you can't judge anything. Well, there's some things the Lord tells you to judge. And you're just inspecting the fruit. But you can't judge the motive of someone's heart. You can't say, well, he, he's only doing this because he wants to do this, or he, he's only in it for this. Well, that could be true, but you don't know that because you can't see inside their heart. You don't know their motives. At the reward seat, you know, the, you know, that's where you'll get rewarded. And everything that was not of him, even though if it was good, if it was done for the wrong motive, there'll be no reward for it. It said there'll be like a consuming fire. And everything that's not of him, wasn't right, wasn't good, even if, the, if it was good works, but for the wrong motive, he said, it'll just burn up. Well, <clears throat> don't stand too close to the fire when he just because you might have, like Joe Marsh told me that day, he said, you might lose your eyebrows. And you're like, <laughs> well, uh, take a three million people out of there, and they were happy for a little while. Now, here, here's their situation. They're eyewitnesses to God displaying miracles that no one has ever saw before. They saw God judge Egypt with 10 different plagues. They saw God part the Red Sea. Then they walked over on dry ground. Wow, how do you do that? Then the army of Pharaoh, remember, pursued them, and they all drowned as the walls fell down around them uh, and their chariots. 
while traveling from Egypt to the promised land, they saw God, God guide them each day by a pillar of fire by night. And, a, and a, you know, by night they just had this cloud, but it was warmth. It was heat. I, I, don't, know the, I don't know the circumference of it, but he had to heat three million people. So it wasn't a space heater. It wasn't a little three, five, or ten-ton unit out there. They're all standing around. It, it, it wasn't. They're they're in the desert. They got silver and gold, but they can't spend it anywhere. Anywhere. They got jewels, but they can't. They can wear them, but there's there's nowhere they can spend it. All all the wealth that they know what to do with that they stripped the Egyptians of, but nowhere to spend it. And God's just trying to teach them every day because they have he's, he's taken them out of slavery, but he hasn't got the mentality of slavery out of them. That's still pertinent to today that God delivers us out of darkness and out of the kingdom of darkness. But that's why your mind has to be renewed because you, you're rescued. We're all rescued and we're put into another kingdom. But many times our mind stays where we were instead of where he's taken us in and given us a new heart. That's why we, he says you must renew your mind to the Word of God. You, you're going to have to change how you think because you've been adopted. You're in a different family now, and we don't do business that way. And sadly, a lot of people will go to heaven, but never they'll transfer their allegiance, their Lord, you know, to their Savior. Maybe not, maybe not even Lord, but Savior. But they never leave that kingdom in the sense of who they're trusting in. They're still looking to the world system and everything. They're afraid of everything. You know, we talk about the spirit of faith uh, a lot and have over through the years where Paul said we have in the same spirit of faith. But you know what? You, you know, there's, there's at least three components to that spirit of faith. And it's found in Timothy, which says, well, God did not give you a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and sound mind. And without those three components of power, love, and sound mind, it's impossible to have the spirit of faith. How will, you, how will you have a spirit of faith in believing if you're fearful? How does faith work without love? Spirit of faith doesn't work. Faith doesn't work without love. Peace. And a sound mind. Well, what we fear, we, we, when you fear something, you know, we, we, we kind of draw back. We coil up. We're, you know, we're... And some people, because of their personality, they may seem like they're real boisterous or loud or brassy or, or cocky or whatever it is. And you might just think they've got this strong personality, but a lot of times that's not what it is at all. It's just they're, they're intimidated. It's a, it's a proud look that God hates. He, t he tells you of the six things that he hates. And one of that, you know, is, is a proud look and a lying tongue and those who sow discord among the brethren, among other things. So to have the spirit of faith, we have to get rid of the spirit of fear so we can receive the, the power and love of God so that we can have a sound, well-balanced mind that's at peace. I mean, what, what is peace worth? I mean, when you've been in turmoil, you've dealt with all kinds of things, just to, just to be at peace. 
You know, sometimes you find that in the sanctuary of your own home. Sometimes you close the door from everything from the day and all the yeah, 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 and the phone calls. And the, especially those of you who own businesses, you know what I'm talking about. You know, people think, well, if you got business, all you do is what count money, you make deposits. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's all you do. But sometimes just be able to close the door and shut it out. I mean, when I ran businesses for years, just sometimes just to be able to leave it there and, and just say, I know that's there, it's waiting on me, but I'm just going to leave it there because there's nothing I can do about it. I'm not going to worry about it. Tomorrow, there'll be grace for that tomorrow. And that one miracle I told you about years ago, getting started in business and had a job and needed the job and boy, desperately needed a job. It wasn't an expensive job. It was enough to pay the power bill. This is 30-something years ago. And Bennett was just getting started. And it, it was slow. When I say slow, I mean turtle slow. I mean, is the turtle moving at all? A woman comes in and she says, uh, I like that color. She says, I want that in my living room. And I said, well, we'd be glad to do that. She says, when can you do it? Well, we were so unbusy. You know, I was like, well, let me check my calendar. I was like, uh, well, you know, it, it just happens that something's, we're open in the morning. Something just canceled. That, that was a lie, not canceled, nothing there. <laughs> you know, and she said, well, that's great. I mean, I actually, I was going to tell her we could follow you home. <laughs> just, <laughs> this was in Selma. So I went to her home and measured just a straight living room. You know, it's 12 by 23 or something like that. And I looked at that roll of carpet and I got back and I said, oh. So, well, I went ahead and done the contract at the house. She gave me a half down. It's 400 something dollars. It wouldn't be that today. That'd just be for the pad. <clears throat> Forget the installation. Uh, it's funny to be, I, I still watch all those commercials today, you know, on the floor coming. It's just, yeah, come by today for the next nine days. Uh, uh, pad and installation free. And I said, people still believe those lies. I've never had an install season. We need you to work free for the next two weeks because we're running a sale. <laughs> but people believe it and they just do it. Because, you know, like, isn't that nice people? They're going to just work for free because you got a sale going on. They've worked for you, Nathan. Like, just run a sale, you know, and paint cars, like, and just tell the guys, you understand, we're just going to build some business. And, you know, there'll, there'll be a bonus for you one day. <laughs> you know, he might come to open up Monday and no one's there. Well, so I, I, I got the forklift, I pulled it out and rolled out, and I didn't have enough carpet, it was short. And I, and I was mad. And the reason why I needed it, it was only $400, but the light bill was about $400. And I was to the place, the power company, we'll turn it off. They still do that, don't they, Keith? Yes, sir. He, he says, he, he knows. <laughs> he, he's the guy who can cut you, put you in the dark, or put you in the light. He's kind of like the Lord in one, one sense. <laughs> you might say, let there be some light. He'll look in, not so much. <laughs> I don't know if it's a switch. I don't know what you do. Or you, anyway, a click of a mouse. That's just so wrong and so right on, on, on so many ways. To be sitting there, you know, drinking your, your, your Coca-Cola, whatever you're drinking, and said, you gone. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it interesting? I don't know. We talked about this years ago. You know, they couldn't get the money to pay, but after you cut off, somehow it, it, does, it gets there, doesn't it? Plus the reconnection fee. Yeah. 
So miracles do happen, I guess. But I started complaining and I, I took half of her deposit. And uh, my mother says, she says, what's the matter? I says, this thing's two foot short. And she says, well, can't you stretch it? I said, two feet. <laughs> and she said, well, could you put like maybe in a closet a few extra pieces? And I said, there is no closet. It's just one straight room. I mean, if you've got 21 foot of carpet and you put a power stretch on it, I mean, Matt, what, what, tell me the, the maximum. I mean, and, and keep the tax strip on the floor where it don't go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, tax strip, you know, that's supposed to lay and I hope the carpet over. But if you pull that much, I mean, you know, two, two, three, three inches maximum. But I, I needed two feet. Could you see that's not going to happen? But it was what we needed. It's the miracle. We needed it. And she came in and she wanted it. We could do it in the morning. We could do it easily in the morning. And we had all kinds of needs, but that was just the next one. You know, it, it doesn't look too good for your business if, if people walk in and they want to spend $1,000 with you and you don't have electricity. That's a sign that things may not be that good around here. Maybe these people aren't that dependable. I mean, it was just like... Uh, <laughs> people say, why don't you just put on a credit card? What credit card? They didn't take it. They didn't took all them away. Or the limit was up. And so... Uh, my, my mother said, she says, it'll be okay. And I said, it'll be, what do you mean it'll be okay? It won't be okay. And I was just complaining, and I was mad, and I was kicking things around the store, and I was, you know, like this. I, I mean, I, I hadn't been to Bible school. I wasn't even in church hardly. And I was mad. I was, I was like, I'm, you know, we started this business, and I could be working over so-and-so and drawing a check, and, you know, I wouldn't have to be up here and all the time working 60 hours a week, driving back and forth to Selma, 61 miles, 61 miles, doing 200 miles a day, doing what the estimates. And here we're sitting here in a business, and we need, and going to cut our lights off, and we only have $400. I hate this place. I hate this business. I hate everything about it. I almost hate the employees. Sometimes I even hate myself. And I was, just, man, I, I was in the mother grove. Could you tell? <laughs> and my mother looked at me and she said, Boy, aren't you a sight? She said, Let's just thank God about this. I said, Thank, well, thank God about what? And uh, I said, uh, You don't understand. We're not doing that job tomorrow. I've I got to take this check back to the woman and tell her we can't do it until we get some more carpet. And I said, I can't get no more carpet because I ain't paid the bill at the mill the last time I was there, so they won't turn anything loose to pay them. You know, I'm, I'm paying. People say, well, it been sometimes you cash flow, you pay, you pay Peter with Paul's money. But I was, I was 10 more disciples down. I was paying Andrew and Simon and Zacharias <laughs> and all the kind. I had, I had a whole bunch of folks who's wanting that $400. And so uh, I didn't know what to do. I mean, I didn't want to call her back. And if it hadn't been for my mother, I would have called back. And she said, it's going to be okay. I said, okay, whatever. I said, but the woman is moving all the furniture out of her house right now, off the living room and all of her breakables and all the furniture out. She says, well, that's fine. She said, that's what you do before you put floor cover down. I said, yeah, if you're going to put it down. I mean, can you see where I am? I mean, carpet don't stretch two feet. And I didn't think... I could talk her into putting a, a border on the end of her room, you know, different colors. <laughs> She's like, so this is a new fad. Everybody wants it. And, you know, turquoise with this, this Wedgwood blue. So I've, I was measuring that carpet all day long. <laughs> you know, it's just stretched out all day long on a concrete showroom. It's like, she said, would you quit measuring the carpet? She said, you're going to wear it out. We ain't going to sell it to nobody. <laughs> 
So, and she said, then stop complaining and just thank God. I was like, uh, she says, God will do the impossible. And I said, Mom, you need, you need to use some common sense right now. I know God can do anything, but you need to use common sense. She said, that's what your problem is. What's your mother? What's he going to say? I mean, I took all my experience and all their money, and usually the one with the money ends up with experience. But anyway, anyway, we went home. I didn't call the woman. Came back in the next morning. Oh, I was dreading. Opened the door. The lights turned on one more time. That was a miracle. Because they'd already told us, you know, you got so many days. And she says, well, she says, it's going to be a great day. I says, oh, yeah, yeah, going to be great, just great. She says, well, get the guys ready for the job. And I, and I, I grabbed the tape measure, put it on the end. I went like this. I already measured 200 times the day before. 24, inch, 24 feet, 3 inches. Carpet. The next day was three foot longer than it was the day before. Now that that only happened one time. I mean, God could do it every day, but He doesn't need to do it every day. Now I've seen miracles like that all my life, mostly because I was in desperate situations a lot of time all my life. That's where miracles come from, and uh, when you're desperate. And but see that that will mark you. So when something like that happens, that will mark you. You say, well, that's just four something dollars. It, it wasn't the money. That, that changed my life forever because I wasn't walking with God. I knew I had a Bible somewhere, but I'd have to go home and see if I could find it and get the dust off of it. And, and my mother was standing in a place to where she said, but this is what, what we need, and she said, God's going to supply the need. So I don't think she knew how he was going to supply the need. I guess she was believing for something like that. But that's how it happened. The next morning, the carpet was three foot longer. The reason why I, I tell that a lot of times is because, and then people say, well, you know, maybe you just thought it was 21 feet instead of 24. No, no, I, I had all day long. I mean, this is what I did for a living. I, I, I didn't, you know, when I, have, when, I, when I have a tape measure, Scott will tell you, I'm always accurate on my, on my end, right? I, I could hear him working on his dad's house over the fence the other day. And I, and I yelled my number to him, one. And when I'm holding the south end, I'm always right. <laughs> he used to let me hold the other end, but then I said, I don't know, uh, 23 feet, uh, four little marks, two bigger marks, and three more little marks. <laughs> he, and he says, just come here, and you just get this in. <laughs> he didn't even shake his head. He's like, he probably thought something, but. But I know 116, 216, 3, I know fractions. <clears throat> but anyway, here's the deal. I had to stop complaining. I didn't have faith for this. My mother did. So the best thing I could do, zip it. Just zip it. Sometimes the, the best words you can say is nothing. Sometimes you just need to go with the last words. Because the last words, if they're in this, if this word, the last word's doing the commanding. And the last word commanding is still doing the standing. You may not feel like it. It may not look like it. But in the spirit realm, Satan knows that. If it was a traffic light, he knows if he has a green, a yellow, or a red. 
So sometimes the best thing to say is absolutely nothing. If we're, if we're needing to confess it, there's nothing wrong with confessing the word, but if we're needing to confess it over and over and over again to the place to where our heart is not settled in our heart, then you need to keep on speaking the word, keep meditating the word. But making, saying the word over and over and over again, just so we understand the concept, does not make it true. It was true whether you ever speak the word. Right? The psalm says, Lord, thy word is settled forever. Forever is kind of like a long time. It's past your lifespan. And mine all was put together. Nothing is going to change the word. It's settled. So what we have to do is we just have to settle it one way or another in our hearts. And so these people saw God do all this and the, and the army drowned. And then while traveling from Egypt to the promised land, they saw, they saw God guide them by you know, this pillar of cloud, fire by night and a cloud by day. And then they returned through the wilderness and God provoked or, or God provided the food for them to eat and water to drink. And he caused their clothes to never wear out and their shoes to keep growing as their feet was growing. How cool is that? That'll beat recession. That'll beat inflation. It's like, you know what shoes cost now? It doesn't matter. My, mine just keep growing. You know, and as I, as I shrink, as y'all can tell all the time, and my clothes just draw in. Well, anyway, I mean, if I, if I shrink, they could draw in. Praise the Lord. Two ways you could do it. You could ask the Lord, if he could stretch carpet, he could shrink clothes. And if you're full gospel, maybe he could even expand them. I don't even know. Praise the Lord. So what happened with them, all this he did, he did led them to the promised land, a land of what? Of milk and honey, wasn't it? But in spite of all this that God did to free them from slavery and provide for them in the wilderness, they began to do what? Murmur and complain. Now you're in Numbers chapter 11, right? It says in verse 1, and when the people did what? Imagine that. It made the Lord so happy. What does the Lord think about complaining? He's displeased. He's displeased. And the Lord heard it, and his anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burnt among them and consumed them that were in the uttermost parts of the camp. Aren't you glad you weren't in the Old Testament, Gold Covenant? <laughs> Complaining, you're burnt like a crispy critter. It's like, I'm really tired of that. Boom! <laughs> uh, and the people cried unto Moses. Of course they did, right? And when Moses prayed unto the Lord, the fire was quenched. They believed in Moses' prayers. It went on to say in verse 5, they said, you know, but we remember the fish that we did eat and we ate it there freely. And we remember the cucumbers that we had and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. Our souls dried away. There's nothing at all besides this manna, besides this angel food that falls out of the skies every day, every day to feed three million people. And the water that comes out of a rock. You ever got water out of a rock? You ever got, I mean, I've never got water out of a rock, right? You ever take, a, well, you say, well, I didn't hit it hard enough with a stick. Well, Bubba, just slam it hard. See if you get water out of it. Food just fall down from heaven. How's that for inflation? 
But you know, they didn't like the diet that they had. They said, we had melons, we had cucumbers, we had onions, we had garlic. We also had bad breath if you eat garlic all the time. Maybe the Lord's trying to clean their breath up a little bit. I don't know. He's trying to get them to trust them on a day-to-day -day basis. Because see, slaves live day-to-day. So he's trying to, he took them into the wilderness to a place to where they would have to trust him. But they're failing the test every day. Every day. And, and the complaining went on and on and on and on. And finally it got to the leadership. And then verse 11, Moses said unto the Lord, Wherefore hast thou afflicted thy servant? And wherefore have I not found favor in your sight that thou lavest the burden of all this people upon me? Look at verse 12. He, Moses said, I mean, Moses is really, he's, he's hanging around these complainers all the time. There's only, a, you know, a couple of three million of them. And he's the leader. So they have questions for him all the time. And he says, have I conceived all these people? <laughs> he said, have I begotten them? Thou shouldest say unto me, carry them in thy bosom as a nursing father, bearing the sucking child in, in the land which thou swearest in fathers. Whence should I have flesh to give unto all these people? For they weep unto me, saying, give us flesh that we may eat. Verse 14, I'm not able to bear all this people alone because it's too heavy for me. Of course it is. Right? Can you see, can you see what the spirit of complaining has done now to Moses? It's really getting to Moses. How you know that? Look at the next verse. And if thou, if thou deal thus with me, then just kill me. If this is how you're going to deal with me, this is how you're going to use me, don't use me anymore, just kill me. He, say, he says, kill me. He says, I pray thee out of thy hand. If I have found favor in thy sight, and let me not see thy wretchedness. And so the Lord had to help him a little bit. Most, I, I, can't, I, I can't handle all this complaining anymore. I can't, I can't handle these people anymore. I can't deal with this. He said, they're not my children. I can't bear them. He said, this is too heavy for me or for any man. He, says, he said, if this, is, if this is the job, just kill me. <laughs> Moses is not having you know, the, the best day. He's had better days. I love that this is recorded in the scripture. Moses is my man. Moses is every pastor's man. Yeah, but I know that, Pastor. I know that. Like, it's just funny. Like people, like you, you can't even remember their name. You ain't seen them in twelve years. Well, you know, you know, you're my pastor. It's like I don't even know who you are. It's like I can't even remember your name. I mean, you're, I'm your pastor. Yeah, could you, could you marry my grandchildren? I don't even know who you are to have grandchildren. Well, yeah, I came that time. You know, y'all had that that carnival for kids. And we brought our kids and y'all you know, had a carnival. I said, yeah, that's right. We did. We moved here in 2010 or 11 whenever we did that. Yeah, well, we came there. Well, yeah, see, you're my pastor. I'm not a carnival pastor. <laughs> I'm not a trick-or-treat pastor. My gosh. <laughs> you wouldn't want me to go to the Lord on your behalf. I said, Lord, just you know, that fire thing you did in the Old Testament, do it again. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta watch pastors. You know, like Hebrew says, you know, he, he says, you, you need to pray for them. Right? Remember, Hebrew said, you need to pray for them and esteem them for the work that I've given them. He says, don't make their work hard. He said, it won't go well for you or them. Praise the Lord. So I can't hardly wait to see Moses.
there's no pastor can say anything the most like you know, I, I'm, I have no right. You, you, I mean, you the man. I mean, you just like you, 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 you hung out with them. I'll call them thumb sucking pinheads for 40 years. Would be the God. He had to take us out of Egypt so we could die. Would be the God. Would be the God. Well, I just like it's like Kim Clout said. You know, he said every church needs two lines. One, one is a healing line, prayer line. Another just slap the tar out of your line. Like, what are you thinking? It's a pastoral thing. But we love the sheep. Praise the Lord. We do. <laughs> Hallelujah. I had someone tell me one time, they said, you, <clears throat> you've ruined my marriage. I said, I did? Yeah, because, you, you know, you want us to be part of this leadership. You want us to be at church, all three services. I said, I don't understand why I'm, well, we don't have family time. And so our, our marriage is falling apart because we come to church here. I was like, yeah, well, praise God. At least you got change in your life. I mean, I, I was just like, really? And uh, I said, yeah, you're, you're the reason my marriage is broke up. And uh, I said, so they said, we're going to take about six months off to a year. We're going to separate and not go to church going and just and then and then that's going to be that's going to be their therapy. That's their counsel. I can't tell you how many people. I mean, I can tell you the names and you know, and that's, that's really I can't tell you. Pray that they, they can't find a job. I can think of a man right now. Boy, if I told you his name, everyone, you know him. And he says, I can't get a job and all this. His wife's ready to leave him. They're here at the church. I mean, they're crying. I'm having her clean next life. I'm about to run out of them. We got plenty of them. And, and you know, it's like, and I, and he, well, I can't find can't get no work, Pastor. Ain't no work. I mean, I just can't. And, and, and he got so depressed. He took the credit because he couldn't work. He said, no money. That while she was working, he was uh, buying stuff on, online. Stuff that he liked and then had it hid so she wouldn't find it. And during the day, he would go do his hobby. And I don't look for confrontation. You might think I do because of my personality. I don't like it. But I won't run from it. I mean, some things, you know, Paul told Timothy, he said, you're going to stand up and be a man sometimes. He said, sometimes you're going to have to correct him. He said, then sometimes you're going to have to rebuke some people. Well, who wants to do that? You know, uh, it's a volunteer if they come anyway, right? He said, but do it in the spirit of meekness. And I said, how come we don't have a job? He said, well, I can't find one. I said, well, then why, why, why would he? He said, I don't know. I guess I was depressed and you know, I went and bought all these guns and I'm just shooting in, in the woods while she's at work, you know, to get rid of my depression. I said, how much you spent? He said, well, two, well you owe $2,000 on credit cards. And I said, okay. I said, can you send them back in? I said, no. He said, but I, I know you'll tell us what to do. I said, yeah, I have, I have one for sale right now. I want to have one of them sold next week or pawn them. I, I won't even get I said, I don't care what you get. You want to make this thing right in your marriage? Guns are gone. I said, next thing is tomorrow, I mean, this is years ago, so it wasn't so much online. I said, you're going you're to go three to four times a day and put in uh, applications anywhere. I don't care if it's gas station, whatever it is. And I said, in the morning, when you get up, I want you to shower and shave and do what you do. 
if you go to job, but don't you come home until the time that you come home if you had a job. Because this is what men do. You don't hang around the house. You, you get out of the house and you, you act like you have a job. I don't care if you're sitting at the park praying in tongues or, or, you know, or, or feeding them, you know, feeding the squirrels. You get out of the house and you stay out of the house and you get a job. Now you got a wife and you got a child and this is foolishness and you stop it right now. And this is just one time, okay? This is not how I deal with everything. But this is someone who needed the slack jerked out of the chain. And they had every excuse in the world, you know, for why it wasn't working. And I said, so tomorrow you're going to go? And I said, by Thursday you'll have a job. He said, how could you know that? I said, because I just said it. I said, do you ever hear anything I ever preach ever? I listen to everything. I said, really? I said, well, say with this. I said, according to this scripture, Mark eleven twenty four. 24, therefore, what, what things do I, I desire? When I pray, I believe I receive them, I shall have them. I said, so we're going to put in applications. When you go there, if you're going to shake the hand, I said, you shake it firmly, you look in their eyes, make sure you shave, you get dressed, you go here and do that. And then, uh, and I was wrong about Thursday because he got the job on Wednesday. And all of a sudden his wife could qu quit crying. The guns he sold for a fraction of the price are still loaded to that, but there was change. I couldn't imagine dealing with three million people. I mean, I, I don't even drink, but I need vodka or something. I don't, I, I don't even drink, <laughs> but I'm just saying, I mean, it, it'd be something like, Lord, I can't bear this alone. It's, like, it's just like, uh-uh. Need the new wine. Philippians chapter 2, look at, listen to verse 14 and 15. It says, do everything without complaining. Can you do that? Paul said, do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as the children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. That's, that's, that, that, that's quite the, the to-do, Paul. Do everything without complaining. Well, if anyone had a right to complain, it'd be Paul, wouldn't it? Wouldn't the Apostle Paul, if anyone had a right to complain? Matter of fact, he, this is some of the words that Paul penned about his own situation. He said, I was chained up in a Roman jail, and then I was in prison for two years awaiting execution. I don't know about you or me, but I might have been <laughs> tempted just a little bit to complain. Like, you know, Paul might have said, Lord, this ain't fair. You know, actually, I've been serving you, uh, devoted my life to serving you. Uh, every time I preach, they beat me with whips. Uh, they jailed me and they, they stoned me. They left me for dead. Uh, I've been cold. I've been hungry. I've been naked. I've been bitten by snakes. I've, you know, uh, uh, shipwrecked, uh, such as this, right? And, uh, but Paul never did that. Paul was different than Moses in this aspect because Paul knew something about the grace of God. He knew who he was in Christ. And he'd already been shipwrecked, already been bitten by poison snakes, arrested and jailed many times, uh, beaten, this is, his, this is his own words, beaten with rods and whips, stoned, left for dead, starved, left naked, spit on, cursed. And now in the Philippines, he's chained to a Roman guard and his bed is hard and his food is not edible. And in 1 Timothy, he says, you chained me, you bound me. He said, but you can't bind, he said, you can't put a chain on the word of God. You can't bind it. He said, you have me, you could gag me, you could chain me. He says, you could do whatever you want to. He says, but you cannot chain and bind the word of God. 
He said, if I can think it or I can speak it, you can chain me if you want to, because I know what my words do, will do. Well, that's a powerful revelation. So instead of complaining, he, he chose joy. The book of Philippians is a lot about joy. So that means if you and I do the same thing during testing trials, that we can make the choice to rejoice. In Philippians 2, 17, 18, he said, But I will rejoice even if I lose my life, because I pour it out like a liquid offering to God, just like he said, your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share that joy. He said, you should, you sh uh, should rejoice. Yes, you should rejoice and I will share your joy. That uh, in, the, in the King James and a lot of translations, it uses that liquid offering where he said, I will rejoice even as I eat if I lose my life, I will pour it out like a liquid offering. Uh, that word liquid, uh, liquid offering or drink offering, it says was a term used when making sacrifices. It says it was a precious liquid and they, and they would uh, take this liquid offering, this drink offering as it were, and pour it on the fire and it would make a, a, a pleasant aroma that would go, they say, up into the heavens. They wanted to sing God a beautiful smell and aroma um, as they began to worship and praise Him. Amen. They made a choice to rejoice. Complaining is evidence of unbelief. Regardless of whatever your circumstances may cause, discontent or dissatisfaction, complaining is the expression of unbelief. Complaining is unbelief in God's Word, which says all things work together to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. So we should stop complaining and we should thank God. That the plan that He's working together for you is in effect and working right now. Thanksgiving is the expression of gratefulness and faithfulness to God. It's the very opposite of complaining. Giving a thanks expresses appreciation for what God's already done. If you're in a situation, go back and remember what He's already done. You know, I, I gave you a testimony of, hey, you know, I was, I was so young. I mean, you, you look back when you get older and then you thought, I did that when I was 20 or 30 or 18. You ever done it? I mean, here I was. I mean, the whole reason this, I mean, I'm just in this business because I worked for a man for about three years. And he says, well, that meant, well I'm, I'm not going to leave this store open over here. It's, you know, y'all making a check, he's paying the bills, but we ain't making any extra money out of it. He said, so I'm going to close it. Y'all need to find a job, I guess. He said, or you could stay here and just start one over yourself. He said, it'll make enough for a living for you for sure. Well, my dad's job, Keith's dad, it, it went south. I mean, that was over. They didn't get to retirement age. So they just, I'm out of a job. He's out, he's out of a job. And so they talked to me about, well, 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 I told him what the guy said. He said, they said, why don't we do that? I said, no, I mean, I mean, I, mean, I, I never owned a business. They said, well, don't you, he's not even there during the day, is he? I said, no, he comes like every three weeks and picks up a check and looks at the books and all that. He, they, and, Mom said, why don't you run it every day without him? I said, well, yeah. I mean I, I mean, I know how to sell, and I know how to keep books, and I know how to, I mean, I think if an invoice comes in, I think I know how to pay it. I mean, I know how to write a check. I know how much, I, I, I pay the help every week out of the checkbook. My name's on the account. That doesn't mean you know everything about business. That just means you know something about management. Well, after about a month, I said, I just don't want to do this. I mean, I'm, I'm gambling your whole life. 
Well, you see, that um, I was 25 years old. <laughs> uh, when, when that been started. And I've taken their whole life savings. And if anything went wrong, they just lose all their money and their home. So there was a little motivation for it to work. And then when you're sitting there looking at, we need $400 to keep the lights on, which means, that means you don't spend everything else. You say, well, what was in the account? Nothing. Service charge, maybe, I don't know. That's, where you, that's the day where you feel broke. But you can't be broke in your mind. You can't, you can't be broke in your spirit. Everything around you says broke, busted, no future. It's not going to work. It's all over. Now all of it's going to go. And then to me, it, uh, to me, it was like, I mean, th there was plenty of things that need to be done other than that, pay that power bill. But to me, if the, when the power company, if they were going to shut the lights off, to me, that was a place in me that would affect me. That, that was a big signal that this is not working <laughs> when you're in the dark. Well, I don't, like I said, to this day, and that business is still going on 30 years later, I don't, never heard them say that that ever happened that way again. It happened one time. But you know, the Red Sea only opened up one time. Of course, Joshua had a, a similar situation where it parted for him. Well, if God, if God can do it once, He'll do it again. You've had good, but you ain't had God's best yet. It's easy for God to do something He's already done. But, God, but he likes to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you even asked or thought. I didn't ask him to grow carpet. I just I was told by my mother to zip it. So I just went home and I said, well, here we go. 61 miles home. Come back next time. I'm thinking, I'm going to let you call the woman after she's moved all the stuff and the furniture out of her house and all that kind of stuff. And next morning, she said, well, measure it. I said, what for? She said, just measure the carpet area. I said, we measured it. She said, no, just measure the floor cover. Measure the carpet that's still laid out on the floor. It's just measure it. I said, whatever. <laughs> and then I measured it like 15 more times. And I kept on saying, that can't be. That can't be. That's impossible. That's impossible. See, I didn't even know what my future was going to be. I'm sitting there with my mother, and she said, I told you, and I'm, like, and I'm like, that can't be. That's impossible. There ain't no way. There, 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 there ain't no way that could happen. I measured again. I, like, I said, that's impossible. <laughs> she said, well, she said, take that impossible rug and put it in and, and go get the rest of the money. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know why I thought this. I wrote it real quick, and I said, y'all put it in fast before anything happens to it. Like it, might, like it might shrink or something like that. It's like, it's like And then that day we went and we went to the park. We didn't mail it because, you know, we like, I mean, we, it, the lights should have done went off. And I said, here's our, here's our meal. And the light stayed on. And then, then we're back down to it. We just have a dollar again. Someone walks in the door and they buy a little remnant or they buy some vinyl floor and, you know, whatever and whatever. Then, that, then two weeks later we sell a $12,000 job. It's like, you said, man, if you ever have a business, it'd just be awesome. <laughs> yeah, it'd be awesome. And it can be awesome. It can be awesome. But I learned a lot of lessons in that. So complaining about a problem, uh, Theodore Roosevelt said this in closing. He said, uh, complaining about a problem without posing a solution is called whining. That's what President Roosevelt said. He's, uh, someone said, if you're looking for something to criticize, you're going to find it.
But if you're looking for something to, to compliment, you'll find that too. Looks like to me it's your choice. As you breathe right now, remember this, as you breathe right now, another person in this moment just took their last breath as you just took yours. So we should never complain and learn to live our life with the goodness that God gave us. We attract what we are, not what you say you are. You can only give to others what you truly have, not what you say you have. I, I can't give you COVID today. I don't have it. I can't give you any type of sickness or disease today. I don't have it. Peter says, such as we have, give I thee. So you, you don't give people what you say you have, you give people what you have. Light attracts light. If, if you hang around negative people a lot, you have to be careful because that spirit will get on you. Because you know, you'll, you'll just look naturally and there's all kinds of things going on. There's something, that, there's something in everyone's life today they'd like to change right now. Long, many yesterdays ago, right? That's just truth, right? And people talk faith to where sometimes they're like, well, you can't say anything. You can't say if something's wrong. That's not faith. Faith is not denial. Faith is not, you know, that we have, God has police around. You say, oh, you said that, you know, write them up. <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, when faith was being, confession was being taught a long time ago, that's kind of what it was about. And, you know, and Brother Hagin never taught that, but it's just like because you don't bring in the balance of grace and faith in there that you think, well, you know, if you're really in faith, you wouldn't be sick. If you're really in faith, you wouldn't need surgery. If you're really in faith, you, you know, you, you wouldn't need to go bankrupt. If you're really in faith, you know, you wouldn't have any marriage. Really? This is a world. This is moving people, moving parts. This is, this is situations. This is why you need the Word of God. This is why you need God. This is why you need the Holy Spirit. This is why you need truth. Why do you need faith if there's nothing to have faith for? Why do you need to resist the devil if you have no problems? Why do you need to cast out the devil if, if the devil you know, can't touch you? Right? But in all this, we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. Yes. And Paul was just persuaded of this. So because you're persuaded, you don't go into complaining. Because if there's anyone in this Bible had a right to complain, it was Paul. I mean... Not all of you have done what I do here, but you've testified, you've told friends, you whatever. But have you ever preached in any form or give a testimony, encourage someone, they start beating you with rods? That's never happened to me. Has anyone ever stoned you for preaching the gospel in any measure? Have they spit on you and pulled, pulled your hair? If you was a man, did they pull your beard out? Did they put you down and did they tie you to the post and did they whip into your flesh that you didn't look like a human and then took you and took long spikes and put them through your hands and your feet? Did they put a spear in your side? The Bible said that Jesus, he had to set his face like flint, which is one of the hardest rocks on the face of the planet. He said he endured the cross because he looked on the other side for the joy that was set before him. He wasn't excited about going through all the torture and the pain. Who would be? But he had to look beyond that. So wherever you are, talk above where you are. Think above where you are. Speak above where you are. Rejoice above where you are. Put yourself in another day, even though you're here today, because faith is just right now. You can, you can move into the future from where you are right now, no matter what your situation is. 
If you don't believe so, ask the Syrophoenician woman. Ask the Roman soldier who had, they had zero covenant with God. That Syrophoenician woman, she came to God and you know, the disciple says, you can't come, you can't talk to him. You're, you're, you don't have a, and, and she got to him. Then Jesus even called her a dog. Well, that's what they were called, dogs. She says, yeah, I, I know I'm a dog. She said, but I have a, a daughter at home that's grievously vexed with the devil. He said, but what I have, the bread, the, the, the children's bread, <clears throat> it's, it, it, it's for God's people. She said, true. You're, you're ab absolutely, I know that. I'm a dog. It's true. She said, but it's also true that if you're eating the bread at the table, if you drop some, if you've got a little dog, he'll, he'll eat the crumbs. She said, could I have a crumb? Amen. And Jesus said, wow. He said, I'll say it like this. Oh, no, oh, no you didn't. <laughs> and he's, he's like, she said, could I have a crumb? I'm a dog. Can I have a crumb? And Jesus said, he said, that is great faith. He only told two people who didn't, the ones who had a covenant with him, never said that about them. He said, where is your faith? Have you misplaced it? <laughs> Where is it at? These two people have no company. He said, that's great faith. The Roman soldier came to him. Remember that? He says, Master, i got a servant at home. He said, and, and he's, he, you know, he's in a bad way. Jesus says, well, hey, I'll come with you and heal him. He said, oh, no, 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 no. He says, no, I'm not, he says, I'm, not, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. He says, but if you just speak the word only, I know how this works. He says, look, I have a hundred men under me. And I go tell, and I, because they're under my authority, I say, go do this, and they go do it. I say, come here, and they come here. And he says, and your authority, wow, it far exceeds. Your authority comes from heaven. You don't need to walk to my house. I'm not even worried that you come under my roof. But if you just speak the word only, Amen. if you just speak the word only, I know he'll be healed. And Jesus said, you and that Syrophoenician woman, I'm, put them in that book we're going to have one day. And Jesus just spoke the word, and that man was healed for the selfsame hour. Now, the Syrophoenician woman, one day they would have a covenant where God brought in the Jew and the Gentile, right? So faith is now will take you from where you are to where you belong. Faith took her, she traveled in time into the covenant that she would have one day. There's things in your future that you ought to go ahead and get today and just go ahead and get in time travel. Just press on and move yes. to a place that, that belongs to you, but you can move in that place. You say, well, after I get my diploma, or after we build this, or after we pay all that off, whatever. The, well, you might be 417 years old if you make it that long. You know, if, if you owe, owe $40,000 credit cards and you're paying just the minimum on it, it's going to be a minute. It's going to be a minute. It's going to be a long time. And I found out through the years, you said, man, we're going to get out of debt. I'm, I, I cut them things up and just start paying and close the account and start paying on them. And I found that them, them things had resurrection life in them. And they'll mail new ones to your house. They'll come and say, we back. <laughs> we see you got $14 credit. <laughs> Here's your new card. <laughs> they got resurrection life. Last verse. Psalms 8.2 in the NIV says, Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold. Oh, listen to this now. This is the NIV. Psalms 8.2. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies. 
The silence of the foe and the avenger. Did you hear that? Through the praise, through your praise and the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies. Praise establishes strongholds. Usually when we talk about strongholds, we're talking about, you know, casting one down. Here, you're erecting one yourself. Strong, see, we, we also make strongholds. We establish strongholds. He says through praise you can establish a stronghold against your foe and your enemies. He said even children and infants can do it. In other words, go back to thinking like a child. You see, I was keeping a baby this week, uh, a, a day and a night, and, you know, a baby's, what, how old is she? Six, seven weeks old. She only has like three functions. She eats and she sleeps and she, yeah, fills up diapers. And when she doesn't have that, she just cries. Then I got this room I go into and turn the fan on. <laughs> I said, I'm dry. I don't have nothing to feed them with. I'm, just like, I'm dry. <laughs> and, you know, but that, that's her only function in life. And every now and then you could talk to her. And I talked to her. And I said, hey, there. I said, Papa's talking, you know, like this. And, and she grinned and she smiled. And she said, don't, that's just gas. No, she's not smiling. She's just like, <laughs> I said, it was a smile. I said, no. She said, no, it was gas. <laughs> well, I'm going to believe it was a smile. I believe that that was that infant right there, right there. She's praising the Lord. But she got that bottle. Because she makes the cutest little sounds. It's like, mm, 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 mm. That's, how, I mean, that's how she does it. It's, it's like, you know, it's like she's been on the desert. When I listen to this kid, I mean, I've lost a lot of kids do bottles, but when she does, maybe they all do, I just forgot. But I'm just sitting there watching, it's like, you know, like I've been on the desert, you know, and I thought I was going to die. And then someone rescued and got a bunch of, and she goes, it's just like oh, it's, just, it's amazing. It's like it, it's not that amazing. I mean, wait till I take you to Dairy Queen a couple three years. You say, what, what was that trash y'all feed me? Wait till I introduce you to Bluebell. All right? Yeah. Wait till you have some uh, Aunt Julia's blueberry crunch. I almost talked in tongues when I said that. So, strength, and I'm through. This is what I'm reading right here, and I'm going to be right. Through the praise, see, he said, establish a stronghold. The Amplified, I mean, the, uh, I think it says, uh, most translations say strength through the praise or the strength. And the, I looked at the word strength. It says, it's, it's talking about this verse. It says the word strength in the strong concordance means force, security, majesty, praise, boldness, loud, might, power, strength, or song. This is the strong concordance out of that word, strength in that verse. So uh, the concordance went on to say strength is a very dynamic word of the power of God and strength is released in the form of praise. Where you steal the avenger. You abort his plans. You stop his assignment through praise. 
When you complain, you take on the spirit of unbelief, which to God he calls evil. So in the midst of turmoil, in the midst of hard and difficult things, it's so easy for us to complain about so many things. Someone says, well, life seems harder. You know why? It is. You know why? You're in the end days. The end days is going to see something different. It's a positive negative. It's a positive negative. No one has to get saved for Jesus to come. Greatest revival is ever going to take place is after we leave anyway. Half the population, according to Revelation, is going to be saved after we leave. That, that's, that, that. But I still believe there's a great awakening. I, I believe we're going to take as many people off this planet as humanly possible. But we have to be thinking about that. We have to get stirred up about that. We have to get on fire about that. You'd have to get people who want to come to church and pray about that again. Stir, stir the heart up and stuff like that. We, we've been there before. We're not there now. But we've been there before, but far beyond where we've ever been. The fire of God will come in and consume things. Anything that takes the place of God and takes all your attention and your pleasure, and that's what you want to do, it's not that it's always bad, but it can become a God to you. Golf can become a God to you. Football can become a God to you. Soap operas can become, definitely can become a God to you. I'll leave Hallmark alone today. <laughs> except for the two guys I saw kissing on Hallmark the other day. See, see how it's slipping in? It's, it's in there everywhere. But it's in a setting of Hallmark, so you, know, they're, you, know, you wouldn't just watch it if it was a whatever, but it's like, you know, we're like, well, you know, that, they don't get the major part in the role, but they will in two or three years. They will be the couple. They, that, that, the show will be about those two. But they need three to five years to desensitize you to that. And they're really good about it. I mean, that's just how the enemy works. You don't come at it straight on. Little by little by little by little. You know, that, that's how you boil a lobster. You just turn the heat up a little bit, and it gets a little bit hotter and a little bit hotter. And then one day, he just, he's cooked. And the devil is just trying to cook you. But they put Paul and Silas in prison for preaching the gospel. They beat them and put them in a dirty dungeon, chained their hands and their feet Close the doors, no light, rats all around him, crawling all over him for preaching the gospel. Paul could have had such a pitiful attitude and think, my God, why are we in here? Why are we in here? We've preached the gospel for the most powerful God in the universe, and we've been beaten like criminals. But he just didn't go that way. He thought, what an honor, what an honor to take such a beating for the sake of Christ, for the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know how it went in Acts 16. And so it was midnight. It was that dark time in their life. It was that time where it could have went either way. Well, you're just ready to quit sometimes. You're just ready to give up sometimes. It's like, I'm, I'm just tired of this. Anyone ever been there? I have. None of y'all? Well, <laughs> you ever come to that, let me know. I'll tell you what I went, how I dealt with it. It was that midnight, that darkest hour of their life. And Paul said, I'm just going to sing praises unto God. And Paul and Silas sang to the top of their lungs because it said all the prisoners heard him. But it wasn't just the prisoners heard him. God heard him. God heard him. And at midnight, they sang praises unto God. And God came down and he shook that prison. He shook the foundation of that prison. 
and them doors open and the chains came off of their hands and their feet and he released them. God made bail. God made bail and Elvis got a song out of that jailhouse rock. <laughs> Amen. That and the hound dog made him famous. It's your midnight hour. You could complain. You could get an unbelief. You could say, woe is me. You could say, God, where are you? You could say, if the word is true, why am I still dealing with this? I'd, I'd rather go to heaven. I don't want to go to heaven this way. I'd rather go to heaven sick, diseased, busted, in every which way, but have a heart towards God than be healthy and strong and wealthy and everything else but complain most of my life. Hmm? Now, you don't have to go that way. Either way. You can just go into heaven with a shout. But we've got to start shouting on the earth. Praise God. Well, hallelujah. Watch here. That monk who only had two words every three years, I'm giving you two words to close with today. I won't say two of them. Just pick a few of them. Praise God. Glory, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen. Two. amen. Give me two more words. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Buzz, you said hallelujah, hallelujah. Who said let's eat? Hey, <laughs> buddy. I mean, just, just two words. Just two words. Just two words. The angel comes through your words. The, Psalms 34 says angels encamp around people who worship the Lord and fear Him. It says angels feel welcome. Angels come into your midst when they find people worshiping the Lord. They come in and they just fly in. And they just sit. You may not, I don't know if they're standing or they're sitting, but I know angels are here right now. I welcome you. You say, that sounds foolish. It's in the book, I believe it. Angels encamp around those who worship and fear the Lord. He said, if you start exalting the Lord, the angels encamp around you and, and they worship the Lord with you. They, don't, they can't say, well, thank you, Lord, for who, you, who I am in Jesus because he didn't make them that way. That's not, that's not their role. But they're worshipers. Every day around the throne. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Doing this since the beginning of time and forever. Holy, holy, holy. What happens when we say holy? Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy are you, Lord. We worship you. We exalt you. We magnify you. <clears throat> In the name of Jesus, we command the enemy to release his hold upon the people here, the people watching. We rebuke sickness from those who need healing in their bodies, who need healing in their home. I rebuke every trace of it in Jesus' name. I, com I, I command you to loose and desist and decease from your maneuvers against those people. Now, in Jesus' name. And we give God all the praise. <laughs> we give God all the glory. And may the fire of God consume everything that's not of Him. Fire, fire, fire. Consume, burn up, purify. In Jesus' glorious name. In Jesus' glorious name. Well, amen. Praise God. Hallelujah.
Just remember, all the way through this year, maybe till the end of time, the fire of God. That's what's happening right now, the fire of God. We'll talk about it more specifically. Hallelujah. And there's just some things that you need to be consumed out of your life. Maybe out of your family. Things going on that you know just like, this thing's been going on so long. You're confessing your word, you're speaking the word, you're doing the right thing. And God will send you all the help. You know, when you get him, you get all of his resources. And sometimes the way God fixes it, he just, he just sends fire down there. You're like, where's that thing that I used to hurt? What's that? I, I left my wallet in my truck last time. I didn't mean to because my neighbors, you don't ever know what they might do. Just kidding. I went outside. It was so It was cold. I had cold, hard cash. <laughs> this thing got dry now. Praise the Lord. Amen. So you just speak to your wallet and just command money to come in. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's a 20. There's a 50. There's a 5. There's six ones. Almost looked like a state day. Liver and onions. I'd rather fast. Glory to God. Well, we're going to be here Wednesday night and uh, for the hour of power. That's what, wasn't that Robert Shuler's called the hour of power? <clears throat> but we're from Alabama, so we don't call it. It's called the hour of power. We're going to be in the hour of power from 7 to 8. God's good. Y'all say it with me. Say, the Lord is good. The Lord is good. And His mercy endures forever. Do you really believe that? Let's just say it one more time. Say, the Lord is good. And His mercy endures forever. Amen. God bless you.